Hey everybody, welcome to Starfield Pulse. I'm your host, Rob. This is episode 21 for October 2nd, 2023. Happy Monday. I hope everybody's having a great week so far. Uh, mine's been pretty good, so can't complain. Don't forget, you can watch these live every Monday at 8 p.m. Central U.S. time. And then on Thursdays, I don't know if we're going to continue with the Thursday episode, but I'll definitely be streaming at uh, 9 p.m. Uh, U.S. time uh, on Twitch, Starfield Pulse. And we'll see what we have in store. Actually, speaking of things that we do have in store, we actually, uh, I'm part of the Ubisoft Creators Program as well. So I do have a key for Assassin's Creed Mirage. So for those of you guys that like uh, more like an open world adventure game, because this one's not quite so heavy on the RPG mechanics like the previous entries, if you're interested in that, Make sure to check it out. I'll be streaming that on Wednesday, which is October 4th, and it releases on October 5th. So this week on Starfield Pulse, we're going to talk about some of the best stories of the week, new mods, the FTC still taking on Microsoft, and touch upon some of the upcoming slate of RPGs and open world games coming out this month. I'll also share some of the answers to the questions that I leave for everyone on Spotify each week. So let's jump right into it and get into the headlines of the week. And the no shit headline of the week, we have this one from Eurogamer, which I just, again, like I said, the no shit headline of the week is, go ahead and bring this one up for you so you can go ahead and get an eyeful of it, is Starfield was made to be played for a very long time. For those of you that are listening and not watching, I just did quotation marks around it, a very long time. Again... No poo, huh? Right? I think we all could have figured that one out. As you can see, this is from Eurogamer. <laughs> Maybe this is why Bethesda's like, yeah, we're not going to give those guys keys. But no, just kidding. All jokes aside, uh, where they pulled this from was from that, uh, from that interview with Todd Howard that we talked about last week. Uh, Starfield was made to be played a long time. That's according to Bethesda boss Todd Howard himself, who said in Game Maker's Notebook interview with Insomniac CEO Ted Price that after watching how players interact with other Bethesda RPGs like Skyrim and Fallout, he believes people want to play games for a very long time. This is a game that's intentionally made to be played for a long time. One of the things we've learned from our previous games like Skyrim, like Fallout, is that people want to play them for a very long time, said Howard. In the same interview posted to the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences YouTube channel, Howard also reflected on how the Starfield team challenged itself while building the ambitious sci-fi adventure. I think it starts with the developers. It has to, right? I think it starts with technology. You see new hardware. You want to use it in new ways. You're looking at game demos going, we could do this. We could present it this way. The scale of games, I think, I'd have to go back and look. How big were things before? The one thing I have noticed is that because more gamers are playing for a long time, they're live games. The ability to update them over time creates games that people are playing right now that have been around for a long time, gotten years of updates, and that creates an expectation. Obsessed with or need more practice at Starfield's lockpicking minigame? Then I have good news for you. You can now digipick to your heart's content. Content. You can now digipick until your heart's content. For this uh, Digipick lockpicking minigame from Bethesda Starfield, it's called Digipick Simulator. And that is in a browser, and I will link that in the show notes as well. 
So if you're on the go and you're like, hey, I want to work at picking locks, have at it. All right. Next up, <laughs> and there's going to be a theme with these, right? A lot of these are going to end up coming from the interview that uh, Todd Howard did on that Interactive Arts Academy Gamers Notebook. Uh, Todd Howard didn't expect your Starfield ships to go so hard. If you give the people the tools, they will surprise you so much. So the reason I really picked this one wasn't because of the headline, but it was because of this Batman image that somebody was able to create. Hey, thanks for the follow. I really appreciate that. And I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> All right. Bethesda Game Studios creative director Todd Howard wasn't expecting our Starfield chips to be so damn cool. And as you can see here, we have an image of the moon with basically uh, the, the bat plane. So in an interview with Insomniac Games founder Ted Price, the Game Maker's Notebook, Howard talked about the community's creativity when it comes down to making fancy spacecraft. We love the shipbuilding, Howard said. We had done a lot of cool shipbuilding. We had done some funny, interesting things. And just how far people have pushed it, how much they like to share those multi-page build guides, it's sort of like, if you give people the tools, they will surprise you so much. Howard says it's developing these open-ended systems is the studio's guiding goal. And that's what we try to do. Give people these things that they can play with, from outpost building to the shipbuilding. The Bethesda boss also gave a shout out to the quick-footed modding community. Mods are a whole other world with how fast that community gets going. Howard was then asked about the systems that he thought had the most potential in the future. The answer was, again, the ships. Shipbuilding really was the one because it was new for us, Howard continued. This has a lot of potential to make something that looks really unique that you can take with you, as opposed to just outpost or base building that we've done. You leave that behind. Howard then adds that the team viewed ships as a whole other character and were excited by it since it gave players creativity and agency that we hadn't seen in other places outside of maybe Kerbal Space Program, which is a totally different thing. Who can blame Howard for being surprised, especially with the wild, wild vessels that spacefarers have built so far? Speaking of multi-page guides, one explorer created the Star Wars Imperial Destroyer, a ship that's so big that he needed a 21-page guide to make it yourself. Apart from that, players have already recreated their favorite machinery from Star Wars, Halos, and locomotive icon Thomas the Tank Engine. But again, I really wanted to highlight this one because of the bat plane that they have there. And it looks fantastic against that moon background. This next one is another example of someone taking a Reddit post and creating an article about it. I just, it just, when I see these, it, it, I just don't know. It's like, this is why, I guess, journalism has fallen so far, right? And people have issues with it. But a lot of these articles are just, they're scrapes from other people. And it gets frustrating. And I guess I'm reading them on Twitch. So it's like, what does that say about me, right? But anyways, as you see, there's this, throughout this article, it's just going to be a constant reference to a, a Reddit thread. But it's, it's funny, nonetheless. Starfield companions can't stop talking about their exes, and players are over it. Starfield is making it hard to love some of its potential romantic partners. Dwelling on their exes is really turning some players off. And this really boils down to Sam Coe, out of nowhere, started talking about his ex and how he feels about her. After that, he became less attractive, they explained. Then I went to talk to Barrett, and the same thing happened. My brother in Christ, just shave your head and go to the gym like a normal person. 
that's what the person in Reddit said. But regardless, I thought it was pretty funny that, you know, similar to what real people will do, like overshare about previous relationships. And it's like, buddy, we don't care. Shut it down. We're over it. So this one I thought was actually really cool. And from a surprising source, we, I've noticed a lot of negativity when it comes from Rock, Paper, Shotgun in regards to Starfield. However, Rock, Paper, Shotgun runs an RPS game club and their pick for this month is Starfield. A new month means a new RPS game club pick. And since a lot of us are still playing Bethesda's epic space RPG, albeit to varying degrees of success, I thought I'd anoint Starfield as our selection for October. And yes, that will probably mean more creepy dad adventures are in the offing. Apologies in advance. How to describe Starfield? It is both a vast and sprawling space adventure with more planets to visit than we have hours left in existence. And also one of the most conservative, and one might even say intensely repetitive, RPGs for quite some time. Alice B. summarized it brilliantly in her Starfield review, saying that it's so big it ends up feeling really quite small as a result. But even if none of us in the RPS treehouse truly love Starfield in the same way we do, say, Baldur's Gate 3, I still think it's a fascinating game that's ripe for discussion, and the RPS Game Club is a great place to do it. After having a weird outer body experience with some kind of sci-fi artifact MacGuffin, Starfield begins by whisking you off to join the ranks of Constellation, a group of interplanetary a group of interplanetary explorers who are intent on getting to the bottom of these mysterious metal planks. I'm still working my way through the main quest line, but so far I found it best stories lie elsewhere in its copious faction quests and side missions, and I'm hoping to dig into a couple of these in detail over the course of the month. If you have Game Pass, I'd absolutely recommend checking out Starfield on there, if you don't already own it. Otherwise, it's a fair old woodge at 70 bucks. And if you need help getting it to run well, Hardware Editor James has you covered with his best PC settings guide. Just don't try to play it on Steam Deck, as it's sadly a frontier too far for Valve's handheld. All right, anyways, so RPS does a game of the month club, basically, for role-playing games, and this is it for that. Which, again, surprises me, because they haven't had a whole lot of favorable things to say about Starfield, so for the fact that they picked it, that's great to see. Uh, And then there's multiple people who tackled this one. Todd said you don't need all that junk, and to Todd... Let me uh, get this up in full frame. Sir, to you, I say boo. Boo to you on telling me that I don't need to pick up every little single piece of crap that I find laying around. Because you know what? I, in fact, do need to pick up every little thing that's interactive and I can pick up and put in my bag, because that, sir, is what a true role-playing game player does. They hoard shit that they will never need, and they will finish the game with, and never use, because you never know when you might run low on MP and need that ether, even after you've beaten the final boss. There. I've said my piece. Boo. See? I'm glad you feel me, Mad Mardigan. Definitely. You need everything, right? We need everything that glows. If I can pick it up, I'm picking it up and putting it in my backpack. It's what I do. So we did have a giveaway last month. I was giving away a copy of the special edition for Starfield. 
And it was super easy. All you had to do was follow me on Twitter, like, and repost a post. We had uh, 36 people that did that. You were capable of getting an additional entry if you, in fact, uh, tagged a friend in it. So we're going to go ahead and go to random.org and do 1 through 36. And the winner will be whoever's number is picked. 14. The number is 14. Hey, Joel, thanks for the first time chat. Have I finished the main quest? Funnily enough, I have not started New Game Plus yet. I have been just kind of poking around, doing a whole lot of stuff, and I have not finished it yet. So number 14, which is one of the reasons why we actually don't talk about spoilers a lot on here. Number 14 happens to be... Jonesy8. So Jonesy8, if you're listening to this, you are the winner, and I will definitely ping you uh, through DMs. Oh, Jonesy! But I can't, because you're not following me. That was that was one of the rules, man. Well, Jonesy got himself disqualified, so we're going to have to redraw. <laughs> you saw it here. I can't make this stuff up. Number eight. Number eight. Let's see who number eight was. Addicted to comps. Oh, they follow me, so they won. All right. I will definitely DM them after this and let them know. Hey, Power Boss, thanks for stopping by. I appreciate it. We just, Oh, you know what? I realized you guys can't actually see the part that I was trying to show you. All right. So here. I have a list here of the entrants. It's 1 through 36 on this Google document. And I went to randomizer, random.org, typed in 1 through 36, hit generate. The first one I generated was a 14. I clicked on that user. Uh, it was Matt. And Matt, unfortunately, does not follow me, which that was one of the things you were supposed to do. Uh, I was doing a giveaway. And... I redrew it, and we got to Ralph's Wrecked It, Addicted to Comps. You are the winner, and I will contact you after the show to let you know. So congratulations, Ralph's. And for everybody else that's listening and or watching, if you have Twitter, make sure to follow me, or X, whatever it's called these days. Make sure to give me a follow, because I tend to give away stuff on there from time to time. Uh, this month, I'll be giving away uh, a 30-day subscription to Game Pass Ultimate, and I'll probably be giving away a game, but I haven't decided which one yet. And we'll get to that later because there are a ton of games coming out this month to talk about. All right. So what I want to talk about next, though, is some of you may or may not have seen that the U.S., the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, is going back after the Microsoft and Activision deal. So this is supposed to close Within the next two weeks, a little over two weeks, I believe it's like the 16th or the 18th, one of those two days is when it's actually supposed to close, and Microsoft will actually, at that point, own Activision Blizzard King. Earlier this year, there was a lot of hoopla about a trial that was going on in San Francisco, I believe is the, the jurisdiction they chose to have it in, and the FTC was seeking 
an emergency injunction, right? So this would have been an order that would have prevented the Microsoft deal from closing until after the full court case went through. And so there was a trial. Um, it wasn't a full trial, really. It was more of a trial in front of a judge on whether or not she could, whether she wanted to grant that injunction, which would prevent the deal from closing. She elected not to, but that was by no means the full trial, unfortunately. That was just to get that injunctive relief, and that was denied. However, the FTC case, that wasn't the end of it. That was just an, an injunction. That's like me telling you to stop this right now, and then the judge saying, no, they don't have to stop right now, but you can continue on the course of your lawsuit. And now, what could potentially happen is they will continue through this antitrust suit. The FTC will sue in court to stop, or not to stop it at that point, but to try and prove that it's a monopolistic practice. And if they were to win, then the company could be broke up. And the last time that the U.S. government was successful in trying one of these antitrust cases was, in fact, against Microsoft. And this was in 2001 or 2002, and it had to deal with them bundling in the browser, right? So I, the fact that Internet Explorer was by default the browser within there, and I think at the time, like Netscape Navigator and a few other things were, like, going around, and it was they just couldn't compete, right? Because the Internet Explorer was built into the, like basically the operating system. So there were no, like they didn't have to break up any business units in the company. They didn't have to divest anything. They just had to, I think, not pack in Internet Explorer. But regardless, before that, the last time that the U.S. has successfully uh, done anything antitrust-wise and actually impacted a company was in 1984 when they actually broke up AT&T. When they broke AT&T into, uh, they broke AT&T off and it became a long distance carrier in the United States. And then there were what's called regional Bell operating companies, which spun off of that. And there was like Southwestern Bell, Southern Bell, Pac Bell, Southern New England Telecom. Uh, basically the companies that ended up becoming again what is, Today, now, AT&T and Verizon. Um, so this case is, I wouldn't say far from over, but it is not over. It still has legs. <laughs> it's still going. Uh, unfortunately, when, they, when the government did not get injunctive relief, they didn't rest their case and be like, you know what, we're probably not going to win this. They're still going after it. Uh, and so some of you are probably like, Why? And I believe a, a large part of it has to do with the U.S. government trying to show that they are taking a taking a stern stance against big tech. So whether we like it or not, you know, Microsoft is like a two trillion dollar company. It is a massive technology company. It's just it's huge, right? So even though it's Xbox, effectively integrating with Activision Blizzard King, it's still Microsoft, which is a titanic, a titanic tech company who's purchasing a $70 billion tech company. So that is a really large merger. And they're trying to be tough on these tech companies. And as you may have noticed recently, they're filing lawsuit against Amazon. 
uh, and basically he's trying to say that they are, I don't know that it's price fixing, but they are being uh, monopolistic and keeping prices higher on some goods that they feel prices should have lowered on by now. So it's not just Microsoft that the government's coming after. They're, if you remember a few years ago, they came after at and they come after AT&T a lot. <laughs> they came after AT&T when they were purchasing Time Warner. Uh, th- that, again, was unsuccessful. That was kind of a personal vendetta, I feel, more about some of the leadership than there was actually merits to that case. Uh, regardless, uh, I do not think that they're going to win this case, even in the long run. I don't, I'm not concerned that Activision is going to end up having to get divested from Microsoft if Microsoft were to close this deal uh, and then lose it. We're going to see basically uh, the U.S. government just continue to waste U.S. taxpayers' dollars uh, pretending that they're taking a tough-line stance on big tech when really they're just trying to stop a console manufacturer uh, doing a vertical integration with another publisher and first-party studios. So that's what's going on. Uh, There's a lot of misinformation from the gaming media that's going around on this topic, which is why I felt the need to talk about it. I've seen people saying they've already lost the case. The the government did, and that's not true. The government didn't lose the case. They just didn't get that injunction that they wanted, but that was not the end of the case. That was really just the opening salvo of things that the federal government could do. Uh, So there's still a lot left to this. It'll be interesting to see. It should close. I I don't think that it's not going to close, especially... It's just goofy at this point. They really shouldn't, it should just stop. Stop wasting people's money. Stop wasting our time. Get back to trying to pass a uh, a budget that's sustainable and doesn't threaten to shut the country down every few years. I know it's two different parts, so it's not like they can't do both at the same time, but sometimes I feel like they can't. So regardless, that was uh, me getting on my soapbox about the Microsoft case. Uh, so yeah, moving on. One of the questions I asked recently on my, so for those of you that listen on Spotify, you already know this, but for those of you who don't, Spotify allows you to post polls and ask questions of the audience. And one of the questions I asked recently was, do you think the companion AI is sufficient? And that poll ended up receiving 12 votes, which is one of the lowest uh, interactions with polls. But regardless, it got 12 votes and 10 of those said, yeah, it does an okay job. And two said, nope. Well, the follow-on question that I put with that poll was, how would you improve the companion AI? And Recknitzer said, I would make them more useful when they are in your ship, like having them man the guns. And I think that is a pretty fun idea. I do notice that, you know, you walk around your ship and sometimes there's just a gaggle of people floating around and it's like, you could probably be doing something more important than nothing. But, you know, that's not the way the game was designed. But I think that could be a lot of fun having them actually do things that are a little bit more productive on the ship. Tanya Hernandez said that I'd make them not run in front of me when I'm fighting enemies. Tanya, I feel your pain. And I think Sam Cole feels your pain when he's getting shot in the back of the head. Because he's just beating feet right in front of everybody, getting shot into the head. Darth Daddy says, do away with them. 
Darth Daddy's just not even having it. They're like, done. I don't want anything to do with the AI companions. Just get rid of them. And then Liam, who I checked, by the way, no relation to my son. My son is also named Liam. Maybe allow them to loot things like a certain rarity that the player missed. I always think about how much gear I've missed from dead bodies. Well, Liam, you know what? That's really not a terrible idea. In fact, I think that's a pretty good idea. And it wouldn't be the first game to do that, you know? Have your companions go around and potentially loot things, especially, you know, and that's great. Set it to a a loot threshold where they can pick up things for you, and that's a really good one. Mad Mardigan says, or when you're trying to open a locker, Sarah's always in the way there. Yes, yes, she is. And Power Boss says, I think I'd like it better if you could give them orders. And that's not a bad suggestion either. Give them orders. We've seen games. Well, I mean, take it back to Resident Evil 4, right? So Resident Evil 4 Remake, and probably the original Resident Evil 4 as well. You can tell uh, the follower later in the game on whether or not you want her to stay close to you, or you want her to follow behind you know there's lots of games that have ai suggestions to where you can have people whether you want them to be passive you want them to be aggressive you want them to just follow you similar to you know pets and wow and they've been doing that for like 17 years now you you figure they can let you help tweak them a little bit uh and then another question i asked and this was back in episode 18 this was a poll i said would you like to see me talk about more rpgs than just starfield and that one got 26 votes. So that one got some of the most votes out of all of them. And so 19 people said yes, but they said it in different ways. And I kind of wish I hadn't asked it with multiple yes answers. Six people said yes, they would like to see me talk about multiple RPGs on this show. 13 said yes, but in a new podcast. <laughs> and then nine said no. And to you people, I say boo. Boo to you that said no. But thanks for taking the time to, to vote in the poll. So I guess you're vested enough to listen to the po- the podcast and and vote. So I appreciate your opinion and thanks for taking the time to to leave it. But because I, I asked that question and it seems that there's an overwhelming response that people do, in fact, want to hear me talk about other games. I'm going to take these last few minutes to talk about some of the games that are coming out in October. Because if you thought for a second that 2023 was going to slow down after the summer we had and all the releases we had and that it's like, oh, summer's over, right? Summer blockbusters are done. It's got to be slowing down. We can't continue to just get banger after banger after banger, right? Wrong. We are. So this is what we got coming up. The previously mentioned Assassin's Creed Mirage is out on the 5th. The embargo for that is up on the 4th. So you'll see people releasing videos and reviews, people streaming it. I myself will be streaming it. It's a Wednesday. I don't normally stream on Wednesday, but I'm going to go ahead and stream on Wednesday to play that game and show it off to everyone. Alan Wake 2 is coming out. So people have had to wait like 12 or 13 years for Alan Wake to have a sequel. And by the way, it looks fantastic. I wasn't necessarily a huge fan of the first Alan Wake. It wasn't really my style of game, but I love survival horror and this one looks great. So I might have to pick that one up as well. Super Mario Brothers Wonder. It's a new spin on the mainline 2D platformer. I'm a huge fan of those. And it's a new style. So if you're like, what does that mean? We've been stuck with the new, the quote unquote, the new Super Mario Brothers for like the last 15 years or so. We've had like six entries. 
all very similar art style, if not the exact same art style. This switches it up a little bit, so it'll be fun to see how it goes. Also, the first Mario game in like 30 years that Charles Martinet is not the voice of all the little characters you hear. Then we have Marvel's Spider-Man 2. The game just looks amazing. It's a solid open world adventure. I know that a lot of you that are probably listening to this are big fans of Xbox because Starfield is an Xbox exclusive. But hey, Spider-Man looks fantastic. Wargroove 2. If you like um, Advanced Wars or the original Wargroove, this is just going to have more of what you love. I played... I didn't play the recent Advanced Wars sequel, but I did play Wargroove, and I did play the original Advanced Wars, and Wargroove 2 looks like it's going to be really great. And then we have Forza. Forza is also coming out this month, so if you're a racing simulator fan, that is going to be a fantastic game. And these games are always amazing to show off the fidelity of these consoles. And speaking of consoles, can we stop calling them next-gen It's been three years. The Xbox Series X and S, the PlayStation 5, have been out for three years now. They're current-gen consoles. The PS4 and the Xbox One are last-gen consoles. There is no more next-gen. We are living in that gen. (laughs) So please, mainstream gaming sites, stop calling them next-generation consoles. I plead with you. You're not going to listen to me but I'm asking you. Regardless, Forza should do a wonderful job of showing off the technology on the uh, Xbox, and if you're playing on a PC, you can definitely, it's, I'm sure it's going to look fantastic. As chat wanted to point out, Lords of the Fallen, Lords of the Fallen, chat liked to point out, Next Gen 2028 apparently, yes, we did talk about that previously on a uh, another episode that it, it they did have a roadmap, and it looks like potentially the Next Gen in 2028 and that sounds about right. I mean, that'll have been like an eight-year console cycle. Perfectly acceptable. And by then, maybe we'll need something to actually go to a next-gen. Because, frankly, I don't see what it would be that would warrant going from the console generation they're on right now until the unto the next generation or a mid-generation refresh. Like, what's the big draw? So, seriously, like last-gen... You know, when we had that mid-gen refresh and not just a, a slim model, they went from 1080 to 4K. So like the PS4 went to the checkerboard 4K, and then the Xbox One X went to a, a 4K. And so those were really warranted. There was a, a big difference that you could see. Well, they're not going to jump to 8K. You know, people don't have 8K TVs to take advantage of that for the most part. I mean, you could spend an astronomical amount of money, I guess, and go pick up an 8K TV. But those aren't going to be mainstream by next year. So we're I don't think we're even really seeing people harness the power of the current gen consoles correctly for us to even start talking about a mid-gen refresh or even be close to getting to that next gen. And I don't know what that trigger is really going to be unless it gets to the point where they're so photorealistic now that they just can't, like maybe they need a new memory again for speeds to actually do the data transfers. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be, but I think we're at such a, you know, it's like one of those things where even if you're taking another half step, you're never going to get to that final point where you're going, right? It's like a log curve. Um, so 
the first few gens, we're seeing like absolutely amazing differences in the technology, but that starts to taper off. And I think we're getting close to that taper point. But then again, I guess everybody probably thinks they're getting close to that until they make that next big leap. Uh, native VR. I don't, I don't know. Like, so that's a great thought, but I don't think there's two things against that. One, I don't think people are really ready for VR. Uh, the adoption rates that we saw with PSVR two, which is by arguably awesome, but did not sell. And apparently most people, even with high quality VR headsets still get sick. So until they can figure out a way to make a, you know, a VR headset that doesn't make regular people nauseous, they're always going to be fighting that. Uh, and plus, like me, I consider myself very ahead of the curve on tech. I'm, a, I'm an early adopter. I don't want to have anything to do with VR. I'm cool with my big, giant curved screen monitors. I don't need to have something sitting on my head like that. I'm okay with it. Um. Powerball said that my problem is they want you to keep buying the latest and greatest, but I'm not going to spend $500 for a console for maybe one or two one-offs of $70 games and then nothing you care to play for. But the biggest drawback is the games we love on older-gen consoles you can no longer play on the newer systems. So that is true in a lot of cases. I would say that... And so here's something, too, uh, to bring it back to Microsoft for a minute. I think Microsoft did a fantastic job with the Xbox One and the Xbox Series consoles of making them backwards compatible. It was actually a pretty good selling point, in my opinion, and not necessarily because a lot of people were taking advantage of the backwards compatibility, but because it was there. And it was like, hey, we get it. You like your old games, and you can play them on this console. We're not, gonna re we're not only going to resell them to you. We're going to say, hey, if you have Red Dead you know, for your Xbox, you can play it on your Xbox Series X. Pop that disc in, take a small download, that controls like the licensing, but you're basically gonna play it on the software that's emulated that you've downloaded, but you can do that because it recognizes the disc as your license. Now, if they do go to a discless Xbox Series X for a mid-gen or a discless Xbox whatever the next console is, you're going to lose that. So is Xbox's future roadmap abandoning backwards compatibility? So is backwards compatibility one of those things where people say, yeah, I want my consoles to be backwards compatible, but then the reality ends up being that they really don't ever take advantage of it, and their data shows that, and they're like, hmm, maybe we don't have to worry about that. Yeah, you're going to have a few, but I mean, they. I think they've done a great job, especially compared to the other console manufacturers. Like, I don't know that PS5 has a whole lot of backwards compatibility for previous games, and a lot of that has to do with the architecture. You know, again, they would have to emulate all those games, especially because, remember, if the, the PS2 wasn't x86-based like the PS5 is, and I, I think the PS4 might have been, but and for the PS3 that was actually uh, backwards compatible, that's because it had two different chipsets in it. It really basically had a PS2 inside of it and a PS3, and that's how they did that emulation. It was one of the and I I used to have one, and I actually think my my son's older brother has it, 
it was a PS3, one of the big chunky ones. It was the 60 gig ones, I think. They were like 600 bucks when they first came out. And those were the ones, because later ones no longer did that. But regardless, I, I'm concerned that because I do like the backwards compatibility. But, you know, Nintendo's like, we're just going to sell it to you. Or you can get these little classic editions. I love these guys. I, I don't play them enough. Um, but I wish they had more. And they, they had such a great... For those of you that are listening and not watching, I, I held up my NES, my NES Classic Edition. I also have, I also have the Super NES Classic Edition, and they just had they both had great libraries of games with them too. So those classic minis are a ton of fun. I don't have the Sega ones. I think I might go and pick one, pick them back up. I think they have some of the Fantasy Stars on them, and I'd really like to give those a go. And so I think that'd be fun. But okay, so yeah. We got derailed there a little bit at Forza. Uh, next up on the list, and also I'm picking this one up, I'll make some videos on this, is Lords of the Fallen. I, I pre-ordered a collector's edition of it that you could only get through GameStop here in the States. So it may be a few days late, but I'll definitely unbox that collector's edition and have some other just guides and stuff on my YouTube channel. And then Ghost Runner 2, which that one is not an RPG or uh, open world or any of that. It's just a really fast-moving game that's fun and looks good. PS5 can only half-play PS4 games, but anything PS1, 2, or 3, even if you own the game, uh, I'd have to rebuy it to play it over cloud service through PS Now and still can't do anything with the disc I still own. Exactly. So that was like PlayStation's solution to backwards compatibility. Uh, I, I do know that they it's not as elegant, and that was something that really won points for Microsoft with the whole console comparisons, that Microsoft did a much better job of handling backwards compatibility than, say, Sony or Nintendo. Again, because Nintendo... I, actually, at this point, I think Nintendo has a pretty healthy uh, back catalog of their games that most people would care about on their online service at this point. You know, they Nintendo has never been afraid to sell somebody the same game three times because, hey, why not? They get away with it. But yeah, so that's a list of the games. Real quick, we'll summarize that again for because it's been so long. Assassin's Creed Mirage, Alan Wake 2, Super Mario Brothers Wonder, Marvel Spider-Man 2, Wargroove 2, Forza, Lords of the Fallen, and Ghost Runner 2. I will definitely be streaming Assassin's Creed Mirage, uh, Marvel Spider-Man 2, and Lords of the Fallen on the channel periodically throughout the month so keep your eyes peeled for those in addition to starfield i'm not i will definitely get super mario brothers wonder but i don't know if i'll stream that because that just goes too far i think outside of the boundaries of what we kind of cover on this channel and that being open world uh whether that be adventure or, or role-playing games and role-playing games that's next month power boss so chat asks Where's the Mario RPG love? November. That's where it's at. And I can promise you, in November, that will be streamed on the channel. And so, yes. Chat says, Wargroove really scratched that Advance Wars itch before they finally remade Advance Wars. Yes. And it did a fantastic job with it. And I cannot wait to get Wargroove 2. 
That's it for this week, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember that if you're watching on YouTube to go ahead and hit that like and subscribe button. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast service to go ahead and leave a review. That way other people can find it as well. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next week. Oh, and don't forget, you can also find me on Twitter or X at Rob Unwraps to make sure that you're able to get in for some of those giveaways that I've got going on. Thanks. 